I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're listening to Chosen Family. It's a podcast. It's a live Facebook thing. It's a way of life. And it's produced and presented by the amazing people at FI. I'm Trana Winter. I'm Thomas LeBlanc. And And this this is is our show. Welcome to Chosen Family. Hi, Trana. Episode 15. Season finale of season one. (laughs) That's crazy. My God. And of course, it's ending right when we're starting to get visibility. We have to explain what we mean by season finale. Is when we agreed to bring the project to the FI and when they agreed to have us. And we said, let's try. Let's try with 15 episodes. We started in August 2017. Yeah, so 15. And we did 10 episodes before Christmas. Five since January. February since we did the... in real life yeah. event. And this is it. This is the end this of the first it. first uh, stretch. Yeah. And uh, and like I said, of course, it's happening right when we're getting <laughs> all this amazing attention from iTunes. <laughs> iTunes featured us, which is crazy and so exciting and like has, you know, definitely brought us a new audience. So to the new yep. listeners, hello. hello you have hello, 14 hello. episodes to catch <laughs> up on. Enjoy. Yeah. Binge. I don't know. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, I just also think it's funny that like there's people in my life that I've been talking to about this project since the beginning. You yeah, know, that's like, the thing is it's that, that for people who know us, this has not been a secret project. No, it's not a secret project at all. But what I sort of think is hilarious is that. You know, after months of being like, this is a project that means so much to us. We've been working so hard on this. We have amazing guests. And what it took for them to actually start listening was an iTunes endorsement. You know, I like I literally people say, like, I'm going to listen now, which is really cute and sweet, but also like. Oh, my God. Like, so if you're listening and you said that to Trana, yeah. thanks for listening. <laughs> and also thank you to everyone who's been yeah. sending us like screenshots of, of the podcast Those on the, the iTunes cutest. page. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. Like as if we don't know that yeah. it's there. But it's it's really cute. It's <laughs> it really is. Cute. I love it. We're love also it. nominated uh, for a, a new mix award, which is like a sort of Quebec Webby. I think that, right. that's what it would be compared to. And uh, and the sort of conversational podcast category. Yeah. category. But honestly, it's really it's really the it's really been the individual message like people that I don't even know just sending me messages and and appreciating the podcast and oh my god it's just so it's overwhelming like I can't even really talk about it without getting emotional because it's just it's amazing to put something out in the world and see it connect and see it mean something to people Mm. and not just mean something to us and April is also our anniversary because we started working together in April yeah it's been two Two years years. six months of this podcast I think (laughs) it's time for a six month assessment a review like as if we were working in some corporate structure you would have been such a good HR director (laughs) (laughs) i feel you would have loved to fire people um yes and no like i think i i do have that well scorpio rising scorpio moon i definitely have a sting right but i think my pisces side is sort of what tempers that and i don't even though the impulse 
to hurt is there. Right. I don't ever really want to hurt anyone. So let me understand something. In this assessment, do you want to assess how you're doing or you want to know how I'm doing or both? Both. I think we need to check in because, I mean, we've been sharing so much over the past six months and I feel like... If you listen to all these episodes collectively, like I've shared way more about my life mm-hmm. and you have. like than I have oh, yeah. on stage or in any other capacity. So I feel like this has been a really revealing mm-hmm. um process and I think we need to sort of wrap it up and sort yeah. of just sort of assess where where we're at okay, right how now. Should, how we should, so how I think we should, we should look at it in in three sections. So okay. personal life, career, and spiritual life. Okay. Yeah. Who starts? You start. So tell me where you're at in your personal life. Your relationships, family, friends, lovers, whatever. So uh, I'm in a relationship um, and we have something very private. And and my boyfriend, for people who know him, if he's listening to me right now, he's hating this. He's (laughs) hating this. He doesn't want, like we don't, we try to like protect what we have. Right. But last week. Because the media scrutiny around your relationship (laughs) is just too much to bear. Everyone wants to know. But last week we we both posted. We we I don't know. We felt cute, and we both posted <laughs> yeah, like an Instagram that. story. I saw. I was like, this is uncharacteristic. Yeah, and uh, we did that. And I told after 15 months of dating, I told my mom about oh him. Oh my god! And it's a huge deal for me. Right and now, I saw her yesterday, and she was like, "Can I see a picture of him?" And I, I'm like, "That's too much." <laughs> I mean, I will tell you I'm in a relationship, but I will not show you pictures to sort of right. So so withholding. I'm extremely withholding when it comes to that, but I'm 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 really happy, and I'm it's a really good place to be, and I I don't know, like I felt so much of my path and my recovery because I'm I'm sober, I'm like six years sober, um, has been because at the beginning I was like I don't think I could ever be in love, right? And now to be in love mm. and to see all that work paying off, really. Yeah. And I did the work, you know, mm-hmm. like nobody else did it for me. It's, right. it's a really good feeling. That's and I'm so really happy. Sweet. I'm really, really happy with this guy. Yeah. Aww. I love him. So that's it. I'm not going to share more. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, life? 10 years single. Um, I think almost approaching 11 years single now. <laughs> um, although someone recently um, at a show thought I was 22 years old. So like. You know, yeah. I'm, yeah, 11 years single and I'm only 22. 22 and obsessed with the early uh, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, ha- like, very comfortably and happily single, okay. you know. Um, I When I was in my, like, late teens, early 20s, I was so desperate for a boyfriend and that kind of affection and, and that kind of romantic love. and But even in that, even in that wanting it, I knew even then that it was for all the wrong reasons and right. that I wanted to reach a point in my life where I really felt genuinely fulfilled within myself. And I think that I'm there. And Let's say we just create a scenario. There's, you know, there's a guy, he's really hot. Let's say he's like an Instagram hunk. Right. And he messages you and he's like, you're cute. You know, like, what do you answer? <laughs> oh, my God. You're so funny. <laughs> We're not talking about that. Um, well, someone, I mean, someone said I was cute and I got all flustered. And I just said, thanks for the feedback. <laughs> If That's why I respond. If he's listening, I love this. So oh much. my god! I hope he's not because um, well, I'm getting more flustered. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I'm confident in so many ways in my life, but I don't know. When it comes to that area of my life, it's still an area where I don't know. And to hear you talk about just now, like saying that you were at a point where you thought like you couldn't be in love, and 
because I feel that way about myself, but I don't know if I see it necessarily as a negative thing for mm-hmm. myself, but I also don't want to. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love being single. And that's one thing with my boyfriend. We're like, single life is amazing. Yeah. And if we're going to be in a relationship, it has to be better than being single. Right. That's sort of my philosophy. Right. So I don't know what that really looks like for me, you know, but I, all I can say right now is that I'm not like in terms of like romantic, whatever. I mean, I haven't gotten laid in a while and that would be kind of nice, but I could also have that whenever I wanted. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not like I'm suffering, but I don't know. I'm just, I see at least at this point in my life right now, like anything kind of romantic as a sort of invasion, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm so focused on my work and the relationships that do already exist in my life. And I feel like I don't even have the time that I want for those relationships. So like, I don't really need anything new but if it comes i'm open i'm not like i'm not closed off okay but i'm not looking i'm not putting myself out there i'm not wanting i'm not needing um which brings us to the next category of assessment career which is where i'm totally (laughs) focused right now where do you feel you're at um it's interesting because this podcast I mean, before before we started the podcast in August, you know, I've hosted a few things like dinner parties, but never, you know, bigger projects or, you know, shows, but not like, you know, a full on podcast that that was relying on like me sort of putting in the work and doing all of that. And it really it's given me confidence and sort mm. of showing me that I really, really love interviewing people, hosting, yeah. asking people questions. And it's kind of just, I, I know that. And it's it's really special because it's, you know, when you, you think you'll like something, but you haven't really tried it. Right. And then you try it and you're like, I really love this. Yes. I really, really love this. That's how I feel. I feel that way about the podcast yeah. too. And what are your career objectives for um, the next little while? Well, I have to write, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm procrastinating right now. I have to write this piece on Celine. And it's going to be in a book. And it would be, if it gets published, it would be my first ever piece published in a book. And I'm so nervous Mm. and dreading having, you know, having to write. Because, of course, I'm a Celine expert. But also, like, being a Celine expert on stage is one thing. And on a podcast, with being a Celine expert, like, on print, I'm like, oh, like, am I, am I willing to go there and sort of have what I think and believe about yes. that person sort you of have be to print. I know, I know, I know. I that's have to amazing. Be, but yes. I, I'm procrastinating right now. I have to go right after. Yeah, I understand so that's that. That's why I'm at. I understand that. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of dreading that. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm sort of I'm pushing, I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, about, you're good at that. I think so. You're good at pushing me out of my comfort zone, it's, I feel. Like crazy. you've really shaken things <laughs> up like for me, for me career-wise. Right. I think that like, you know, in May, it's going to be five years. Technically, of yeah, of stand up. I've kind of like two anniversaries. Technically, April twentieth, yeah. I did my first one woman show in my friend's apartment right. before I did an open mic. Right. Um, so that's looming. You so know, that's but, the first being such a perfectionist. You wrote a full hour before yeah. <laughs> ever doing an open mic, just to all the like straight male comedians. Yeah, if ever there's one listening right now, <laughs> let that sink in. Yeah, <laughs> but because that's what I thought. I thought that's how it was done because everyone that I watched like Margaret and Sandra and everyone that I loved, you know, I I would watch their hour show and I thought that's what you had to do. And I'm glad that I started that way. But so I'm I'm at this weird moment of like five years in comedy is nothing, you know, like listen to our first conversation with Jen Kirkman and and five years is nothing in comedy. But for me as an impatient person, five years is a lot. And five years 
feels like a bit of a milestone and I definitely find myself like reflecting where I'm at career-wise and what I want to make happen and I'm at this weird point of like entitlement and frustration right you know because I as we all know I don't believe in false modesty right you know what I mean I think I'm doing an amazing job (laughs) and I really but beyond that beyond just like thinking that what I do is good I care about it I believe in it right and I think that a lot of what I do is about lifting people up audience wise and also the people that I perform with it's not just about me like I don't when I started off, it was very individualistic, but now I'm at a point where it's like, no, it's about. No, you've this. created. I think. I think we have to say it, you created an amazing community with all the shows that you produce and you host and the people you book on your shows. You've created the scene. Thanks. You've created like something I think worthwhile, and it's. I think it's just what it should be right now. It's yeah. like you're expanding. You're gonna be in Toronto next month. Yes, you'll be performing there. Yeah, so May anybody, 16th, May, come see me, Toronto yeah. people. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> but yeah, I just. But I want to. I just want to get back to being focused on the work and not being focused on results because I know that that is not beneficial. Misery is never a good driver. No, no. And I'm not miserable. And I I actually am having the time of my life. And I just want to be more present in that. I just want to be more present in the joy. You're doing it on your own terms also. Yeah, but it's also exhausting. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, lastly, spiritual life. Where are you spiritually? spiritually um, oh, my God. I'm kind of in a good place. Okay, two things. I feel I'm in a good place, but I'm also overeating a lot mm. um, out of fear of moving on, I think. like Because if you believe in this stuff, and you, you, there's a way to like look at certain behaviors and be like, what does that mean? You know, over-drinking, yes. uh, over-spending, whatever. And for me, overeating is like I create this, like, Little or literal cushion around me right. <laughs> to protect myself from going out in the world, and that's right. really much how I feel. Like I'm yeah. not like I have a really hard time exercising. I have a trainer at the gym, and I'm like the worst. Like right. he, he asked me recently, he's like, "What's your goal?" And I was so negative. Yeah, I, was like, I don't know what my goal is, and I'm like, and I, you know, like I know what my goal is. Just voice it, express it, manifest yeah. it, and go for it. Right? You know, like not, nobody else is going to do it, and nobody else is doing it for anybody else. So of course, um. So that's how I feel, but I have I have this like struggle of like if I if I if I sit down and and picture my life being what I want it to be, I'm afraid, right? And I think that's something that's not assessed in people. Is like yeah. we we we're so encouraged to like dream, like be entrepreneurs, start projects, but if we are actually to sit down and be like can I manifest this life and can I be loved and appreciated for it? Yeah. There's a shitload of fear and we usually heal that with, well, not even heal that, but treat that with cynicism. We yeah. cope with it being like kind of negative mm. or, you know, self, self-deprecating in a way. Yes. And I can't, I mean, I know that's toxic for me. So I'm sort of in this middle place where I'm like, you know, I want to be, I know where I want to be, but it's like just a matter of, of going and doing it myself. Yeah. So what where about do you, you want to be? I mean, what does it look like to you? I mean, one thing I love being, I've, it's so funny performing in English because I've really embraced my Quebecois-ness being like performing on the English side because that's what's different about me. Yeah. Being on the French side is like everybody's Keb. So, you right. know, that's not, being on the French side, it's more like, oh, you're gay. Like on the English side, it's not as much that. Yeah. It's more being Keb. Um, 
I love Montreal, but I do want to like work and live and connect with people from all over. Yeah. And being a queer person, I feel this this idea of that queer diaspora of connecting with queer creatives all over the world. And I feel what we're doing in this podcast and other projects, I feel that's what I I could I could do. Yeah. Um, connecting, talking to people, performing, writing. Yeah. That's kind of. But I and the people we've met as guests on this show have been such an inspiration in terms of achieving that goal. Yeah, for me too. Like I think I don't know. I think in a lot of ways I am living the life that I wanted. Like if I look back at like what did I envision for myself? What was the life that I wanted to manifest for myself when I was like fifteen? It's funny because recently, you know, the last page of Vanity Fair is the is the questionnaire which is like one of the best questionnaires and I love a questionnaire. <laughs> I love a quiz. I love all of those right. things, but particularly the Vanity Fair um, one. And Vanity Fair a couple of years ago released a collection of those last pages. Right. And it's so interesting and it's so great. And I have the book and I was looking through it recently as I was conmarrying my life. Yeah. Um, and I found this paper that I'd written with my best friend when we were like 20, 21. Right. And like I'd written my answers and just like, It's kind of crazy because the things like one of the things um, I think it was like, what is your greatest fear? And it was my greatest fear was not realizing my potential, Mm -hmm. you know, because at that time in my life, I wasn't really making anything happen for myself. And now to be at this point and it's like I did it, you know, like I and I feel good about where I'm at. And one of the big driving forces for me was in Madonna's 2004 documentary. She's talking to one of the dancers. And it's at the end of the tour. The, re- and she's, the, um, the reinvention, reinvention tour. tour. Yeah. And she's so concerned that they're not going to do anything with their lives afterwards. And wow. and she talks about like mediocrity and she talks about it in such a condescending way. And it made me so <laughs> I mean, it made me so scared of being mediocre. Right. You know, and it was like that was I just always had that voice in my head, you know. It's and, so funny because the first time I saw you, I knew you were you know, you were going for greatness. Thank you. I never had a single doubt. I mean, I don't like, I, 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 yeah, I guess spiritually I'm, I don't have real doubt, but every now and then the illusion of doubt creeps in and sometimes I buy into it. Um, Especially because I think spiritually and related to the career aspect of my life is just, I, I'm trying not to be so angry at, seeing mediocre succeed right you know um it just it angers me and i care too much about everything well i have the perfect remedy for you yes because our two guests today on the finale are phenomenal they're two of my favorite montreal artists they're performers um like visual artists writers and i'm so 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 excited to welcome Tufik and jordan arsenault to chosen family This, all of this spiritual talk. Oh Welcome. my God! Welcome to Chosen Family. Thank you for having me. Oh, we were really enjoying the <laughs> live journaling next door. Thank I mean, you. I mean, well, we had to tie it up. But on, it's impossible to tie together. On, on my way up, on my way here this morning, I was like, "What we do is kind of Super Soul Sunday, like Oprah's yeah, Sunday morning program." I never looked it's at it that kind way. Of that way. Yeah. But talking about spiritual experience, Tufik, we have to talk about the Beyonce performance at Coachella. At Coachella. You Maybe are. We should start that way. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you're a fan. It's what everyone's talking about, right? <laughs> Well, the, the are thing, you a Beyonce fan? That's the thing. I'm a Destiny's Child fan. That's it. Oh. I know I'm going to have a, a lot of people jumping on my jugular for this. But <laughs> the, thing, the thing is that 
I've seen Destiny's Child in Paris back in 1998 or 99 at Virgin Megastore in Paris. It was like a free show with like 200 people or something like this. And I've seen the whole thing. So I must say that I got a little bit yeah. when I saw all the three of them popping out right, from right. The, the scene. But what did you think of the songs. song choice? Three songs. Three songs. Yet they were they did a good choice. But lose my breath. Say my I name. Love yes. Lose Ending my with soldier. No. Why? Personally, <laughs> it just—I don't know—it needed to be something bigger. I felt you lose know? my breath is brilliant. because it's just started off so strong with, and, with and, lose my breath. And, and why do you make the name. distinction between uh, Destiny's Child and Beyonce? Because I think that when she did her album after Dangerously in Love, it was super cool. But then after that, she went to a certain direction, and I was not really feeling it. And there is something different when you have like girls band versus wow. one. Like you always prefer yeah. to have like three yeah, yeah, bad bitches course. instead of one bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what do you th- what do you think of the all the hate that Michelle is getting for her? Her, her it's well you what know what was she getting from just being like we not, all need a michelle yeah we are at the table <laughs> thank you Tufi. you're welcome <laughs> so i slapped someone in the elevator earlier <laughs> so jordan please let me know how how do, how do you know Tufik and then Tufik, how do you know jordan and what's your the official version or the non-official version the official version <laughs> i was on a refugee boat getting here from new brunswick right and Tufik <laughs> found me in the fleur saint laurent and put right. me right on it i was on my couscous yeah, little but pond. actually yeah. this <laughs> was this was in your gymnastique period exactly. I met gymnastique. You, gymnastique period actually i met you okay. a few blocks from here at patty schmidt's uh halloween oh and or new year's party and I was yeah. there with um, I won't say a polo gay but I was there with a um, a, a boutonnet can you define polo gay please the, the gay the gay boutonnet is the gay boutonnet is the gay who feels like the polo shirt is the passepartout if you will much like we have the statement T there's also the boutonnet so I was there with I'm, a, I'm, it's a basic gay I was I'm there with J- the boutonnet Jordan is a well, lovely I think there's a difference between a boutonnet and a polo there's a difference <laughs> That is true. Let's talk about class conflict <laughs> later. So you met at that, at that party. It's and the then early, I saw this. this the first time I, we saw each and other. then I saw this Beardonce, which is not her real name, <laughs> pran- literally prancing around with a pink gymnastique ribbon, ribbon experience, and and the Nadia Comaneci type of like Nadia Comaneci like black unitard, which she still has. Yeah, it's a and they still, look. Still, still fit in it. It's a, a regular look for you. And then I realized that this was all part of a photo. Series. In fact, we were all just photoshopped extras in a piece of Tufik's <laughs> called New Year's Party 2011 oh God. to 2012. Um, it was 2011 but, to 2012. I thought it was earlier. Like it was oh, it was earlier. Bit, it was. It was earlier. Well, I saw your face earlier than this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you forgot about me, you, but I did not forget about you. You got to Montreal in 2003. No, it was before Donovan left. So yeah, it was like 2007. No, no, something like this. Yeah, it was yeah, super it was old while. school. So you got to Montreal in 2003 yeah. from Paris, yeah. Moroccan heritage. Yeah. And Jordan went. Did you get to Montreal? A long time ago. Okay. Around, yeah, no, I, I came. <laughs> look, at look, look at this one trying to be on the law about his age. It was, it was, it was, bef- it was 2000. It was the year 2000. So, okay. It was a hopeful time. Thank you. So the, yeah. the early 2000s in Montreal, queer life before before Facebook, before iPhones, before it was amazing. It was different. I'm yeah. sorry, it was amazing. It was, I, it was that's the parking. Yeah. It was the parking. The parking it was, was all like about parking. Dirty, raggedy, stinky, mm, sweaty. It was good. We've lost. The, I, do, are we old or are we? 
lost that. It was no, you when, lost it. Honey. Your <laughs> generation lost a lot of stuff. It was yeah. back when overdose was just a party name and not an actual opioid crisis. <laughs> right. It was a time <laughs> where you could really, you could really survive so, on very little sleep. So this party was at every money. Thursday night. It was incredible. Uh, Frigid really started it, yeah. and then yeah. and then uh, they moved to Unity, and then Mini took over. Yeah. Um, and these years were. But, but you had overdose on the yeah. main floor and you and had faggy baggy yeah. mm-hmm. on the the basement. <laughs> yeah. And I love how you gagged when you just said faggy baggy. That was the name of the party. I, rem- I, re- so I was hey. there. I remember. I remember. This I was is there. before people were embarrassed to say I went to the village. Did you ever meet those like North of Tracks gays who are like, oh my God, I went to yeah, Stud. Yeah, totally. I went to Stud oh last night. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Stud last night. I felt Yeah, because gay life has changed so much. Like now the village is kind of uncool. It's not, it's not the way it used to be. It's a waste Well, the, the, the village looks like... It's a uh-huh. like it looks a little bit like Aleppo. like it's a forgotten museum. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's becoming derelict. It's mm-hmm. just like the Castro, or like mm. Christopher Street. Right. So if you get there, you just look at it and you're like, whoa, this is a whole generation that we stayed. need commercial storefront rent control, Montreal. Yeah, that's a good point. Seriously, unused spaces. Everyone <laughs> should look up l'entremise. Two Feeks from Jonathan La Palmas is great nonprofit yeah. that is trying to get underused commercial and archi- and architecturally significant spaces brought Indeed. back into use for like non-commercial use, artist use, and commercial use. The real reason the village is dying, I think, is not just grinder. I really think that it is the inflationary and exploitive approach that those I, ac- the, the yeah. owners of that real estate have. They mm. thought they could make a mint off of us, yeah. and then we're like, no. If I have no, yeah. people aren't doing it. I love how we switch from diary. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I'm crying because I have been love class to like the with whole the thing shirts. about. Like, I was looking up class warfare. Anyone can get a polo for four bucks at Ava B. Okay, <gasps> what is it representing? So that's what I was talking about. Yeah. So, I don't think it's. I feel class. okay, Jordan. I feel I the world attitude. The world is finally catching on to Jordan Arsenault in a lot of ways. You were, <laughs> you're like really where, where? Um, you were p- part of two amazing panels in New York, uh, one at the MoMA, one about uh, André Brassard's movie, mm. Il était une fois dans l'Est. Yeah. How, how, where? It looked so amazing from the outside. What was that experience like? That is something that I've learned from Instagram. You know, I only joined Instagram last July and I understood, <laughs> like, all along I've been doing this wrong. I've been trying to cultivate myself, my skills, my friendships, these interpersonal connections. <laughs> and I, I know, right? And then I realized, looking at feet that it really is about the yeah. Instagram story. Yeah. You know? But... Uh, um, actually, uh, just uh, by by delightful coincidence, Earl Dax, uh, Booker, who, uh, b- formerly Brooklyn-based, got me on this show at Joe's Pub in October called Weimar, New York. Yeah. I got to meet these great artists, and there was a longtime activist friend of a friend who came. And this is the story of, like, why do you upend your schedule to when someone says, come do a gig in New York? It's because there's somebody eating, like, apple pie a la mode at the back who's and like, oh, I think you'd be good for this panel. So Sir Rodney Sir got me on this panel about, it was about the nightlife scene that Klaus Nomi and Keith Haring really instigated in a church basement called Club 57. Mm-hmm. And in the same period, um, Just was to clarify, you weren't there. 
I was. I was a glimmer. I was a glimmer in my the my like unknown law like father's one night stand <clears throat> right. that he had with my mom, and so I that many things had not occurred. Right, and so I reached back to this period a lot for for my work, yeah. mainly with the film Liquid Sky, which yeah. is the performance I did for that, and then Illitation for Donless. I really was just part of a project called the Queer Media Database, who's also showing two feeks work yeah. actually tomorrow yeah. at the Institut uh, Champlain College Champlain. Let's Kids, let's I love yeah. it. let's get into the work two feek. So photography is a big part of your work. Uh-huh. Doing like self portraits. You you I remember your your piece at two feek's museum. I saw it at Usine and it was like just you recreating um, sort of masterpieces, but with you and your. Because your 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 background is Moroccan, yeah. and also you're playing with gender, so yeah. you're sort of really uh, subverting these pieces and mm-hmm. creating these like new photographies. But you you're completely self thought, which I thought was really also subverting the idea of the art school a lot of, in terms of what you do, and I that really inspired me. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was it was super fun as a process because to fix museum was really a whole series about reinterpreting classical paintings and giving them a new approach, a new meaning, and actually making them more accessible mm-hmm. yeah exactly actually it comes from the idea that museum and some art galleries feel like they're not accessible to people is that the piece that was called porn by the new york post yep <laughs> that was it was this exhibition that was that was, that was called porn yeah. in the, uh, the the yeah national post no the national post, no, 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 the no, new, no. York post. new york post so oh, sorry i mean See, that's kind of amazing oh my god that's kind of amazing it's like a publicist's well, dream the thing it was actually hilarious because We opened the exhibition, I think, three days or four days before at the Invisible Dog. So the opening went well. It was a bunch of, like, for maybe 500 people. It was fun. It was a great party. Everything was great. Sleep, na 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 go back in and out again. <laughs> and then on the Monday or Tuesday, there's, like, the New York Post with this, with my Grand Intendant as a main image right. saying it's art for porn's sake. Yeah. Which is this That's a great title. Completely unforgettable. I mean, I think everyone should own Tufik's Grand Intendant in their It's, it's, the it's one a where remake of Manet. It's it's a it's a reinterpretation of La Grande Odalisque de Ingres. Right. And uh, and yeah, and it's actually the only piece that is sold out. Oh right! Um, okay. Yeah, thank God I saw this one. <laughs> can't have it. Too late. People should have moved before. So there's f- part yep. photography is part of your work, but also performance. You yep. did you did like this uh, a piece with the FTA a few years ago that was mixing photography and performance, yep. where you did Chasse Galerie, where you were reinterpreting like Quebecois folklore exactly on on a public square here yep. in Montreal, yep. um, but also queering that whole story. Well, by definition, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a cis male and yeah. I represent sort of a kind of. How can I say a whole culture that doesn't seem to be pretty open, if I can say this, to gender bending, yeah. queerness, you mean cis male, or feminism? Cis male's not well, cis open. male yeah. from yeah, yeah, North yeah. Africa. Oh, um, right. Okay, okay. Like yeah. what I mean is that no one ex- usually people don't expect like a North African yeah. cis male to be on high heels with a hijab and a big yeah. beard and strutting like a good mm-hmm. supermodel. Because I have a good runway. You, you can say whatever you want. Runway. I have zero doubts she about that. Well, no one can part of the festival. You were actually giving like. 
heels workshops. Yeah, there you? was a, there was yeah. A, yeah there was a workshop that I gave that is called BYOH, yeah. which is bring your own heels, <laughs> and uh, and that's a workshop that I do, which actually is not about only walking in high heels, but it's really discussing about the representation of women and how women are pushed and pressured into dressing a certain way yeah. and wearing high heels and representing femininity to a yeah. certain way that men are not. not that, that's why Tony is wearing flats today. <laughs> yes. you're really making a statement. I know. She came to work. <laughs> she came to work. She's like, I refuse the statement. There well, you, you, anyone you see wearing yeah. heels, like just sort of walking from point A to point B. First of all, they're not walking. You know what I mean? Like, I think like also that was one of my biggest misconceptions is that idea that you wear your heels from when you leave your door to when you get home. You only do that if you have a driver. I saw okay. a girl, I saw a girl in bedat. Excuse you me. And, you and me can did defend it. this because I saw a girl in bedat, like bedazzled, <laughs> uh, studded, Purple suede stilettos walking across the Brooklyn Bridge oh in my front God. of me, yeah. walking faster than me when I, the last I time that. I was down right. there. And this one made us walk everywhere for an amazing video you can see on uh, Vimeo, I hope, still. Two no, two videos, Hafida's Secret, where Tufi gathered um, a, some, bunch of a bunch of the best people. walkers yes. of their day and had them walk in public areas. The part, really, in the Tuileries in Paris is amazing. And then the, then the one that we did in Montreal, in the, the one that we did in Montreal was actually super fierce. And you know that it pissed off a lot of Parisian guys because they were like, oh my God, you upgraded your game in Montreal. <laughs> so they wanted to do another one, but I was not there. And obviously yeah. it was a mess. Yeah, of course, you of know, course. It doesn't take much to piss you, off a Frenchman, though. Do you do you consider part of your work drag? I don't. You don't. Okay. That, I don't consider okay. this drag um, because I believe that my approach is not as precise. The idea is not to look like a woman. Obviously, yeah. I know I don't look like a woman. Yeah. The idea is to convey the image right. of a woman. Right. Right. So. Plus, I in my process, I don't use any padding. I don't use any prosthetics or nothing. Right. It's always the same body, always the same face. Right. So this makes this for me changed the whole right. thing. Right. So the face is changed so dramatically just by the use of a crinoline or a hijab. And when you look, um, Chasse Gallery. This was actually my role when I went down to Illustration for Don't for that <laughs> panel. Is that my supervisors when we showed that film talked about the Quiet Revolution as if all of these twenty-something New Yorkers knew what the Quiet revolution was That's cute. you know similarly chasse galerie which is this iconic etching based on a quebecois myth mm-hmm. of men who have to get into a canoe yeah. to go get it's eight lumberjacks that sell their soul to the devil mm. to spend new year's eve with their loved ones and it became yeah. eight oh, i thought it was new year's eve with one girl no played by you Oh, it's not a gangbang. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. It became... I oh, sat through that whole piece. Sorry about that. Did you misunderstood the oh, thing? No, gosh. no. The, the, the original legend is eight lumberjacks that sell their soul to the devil to spend New Year's Eve with their loved ones. You had yet eight lumberjacks. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Same, same. And it became uh, eight immigrants that sell their soul to the devil to, to live in Quebec. So it was so the whole ooh, idea of yeah. immigration, sacrifice, etc. Et and that piece called Chascalier, I mean, you really get the sense and you know having looked at Tufik's work for like over 10 years now you really get the sense of how many layers yeah. of accessibility that was at peak refugee crisis yeah. this was 20 
16, tell me that. Yeah. yeah. Peak refugee crisis, people dying in the Mediterranean. Mm. This is an iconic work of pure Len Quebec um, understanding of Quebec culture as this bold, masculine, dominating nature experience. White. White. Whiteness, too. Yeah. And then there you are in Place des Festivals, hijabed up. Yeah. Crinoline for days, high heels, your sister on I, on Photoshop in their yeah. costumes. My brother. It was a whole camera. production. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. totally. Yeah. But I love how Festival Transamérique just went for it. And yeah. I still, I'm super gra- grateful for this because I just came in and sent them an email and said, hey, I have an idea. Can we yeah. meet? 24 hours after, wow. okay, this day, this time. I had a pitch, an hour. <gasps> nice. They're like, okay, done, got it. Let's Amazing. do this. And they just like really... followed it. But that wasn't the first time that your oeuvre had taken off. You also did that in Dublin. You've done that in Zagreb. Yeah, I, I did the same. Yeah, I did this type of thing where I, re- where I recreate like very famous nationalist yeah. painting. I yeah. use the word nationalist because I think it's super interesting in this idea of national pride yeah. and how you pre- how you represent your, your pride of a nation or at least of a province. Um, and it's really super interesting because I did this indeed in Croatia and then I did this in yeah. Ireland. She's only doing Catholic countries. <laughs> Do you feel there's a sort of yeah. that, that I, this idea of a queer diaspora wherever you go that you sort of meet other queer artists, other queer creatives, and that we all belong to that same, regardless of ethnic background, language, that we all belong to the same group, like the African diaspora, the Jewish Mm -hmm. diaspora, for example. Well, I think there is this concept of queer diaspora, but now again, there is something in which, in my work and my approach, the idea is really to make actually everything super accessible right. and to try to break as much as I can the concept of diaspora. Yeah. So by doing it at Place de Festival, yeah. it was a free show. Yeah. Everyone can get in and get families, out whatever they want from 8 a.m. Yeah. to 8 p.m. Then she photoshops out the families. <laughs> <laughs> I did. There is no one in the photo, but trust me, I, I sweated my ass yeah. off when I, when I had to like photoshop the thing because it was too much how would you present jordan how, as an artist he wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would be like who is she <laughs> no jordan jordan for me is a multidisciplinary artist yeah that plays with words with image with performance cello cello also <laughs> but what i mean is that he's maybe one of the few artists in montreal that still fuck my brains up because yeah. every time yeah. i look i'm like that <laughs> he really, he really did that. I want to hear what you trying to how you, what, how you perceive. Well, I Jordan. agree. Every yeah. time I see Jordan perform, I'm blown away. Um, and I mean, just like seriously blown away. But what I think is interesting is that we all watch you, and we're like, oh my god, Jordan is like the smartest, yeah. most clever person, so talented. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness all. she's here to keep me humble. A lot of us. <laughs> Thank goodness. Oh my but god. But I feel I love like this. I love you. I've love seen you glimpses of like your sort of, I mean, a kind of insecurity, or like a kind of imposter syndrome. Do you have that? Well, I wanted my last piece about you, um, monogamy, <laughs> what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. To really try and push the boundary of imposter syndrome. It's actually called negative capability. Don't hide under that your cynicism. To, it's that something that they used to admire in a work of theater. If you're able to create a work of theater that doesn't contain biographical information about you and that is not obviously about you, mm. negative capability is this capacity that people would praise in, in classical like English theater and, and Greek <clears throat> tragedy about this removal of self. Mm. And so 
In um, monogamy, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. I take an eight-minute monologue by Trana from this YouTube channel called One Take. It was for her birthday at Crystal Palace. And I lip-sync this entire eight-minute monologue, which I learned... The speak spoken lip sync. Some of one of my, you know, one of the people I admire most is Tufik's surgical lip sync. Look out, Coco Montrese Tufik. <laughs> um, and it is about. It was about trying to find a way that here you are, one of the funniest women in Montreal. And when asked to speak about monogamy, I related so much. At at points of this monologue, you weren't funny anymore. Right. I felt like you were. You, she, you were talking about you know. A ten years, nine years single over here. You know yeah. what I mean. And so, I'm like, the only way to do this is to not look like I'm imitating you. And so, I transform into Queen Elizabeth the first in the course of this eight and a half minute monologue, yeah. accompanied by um, ha- um, Handel's Zadok the Priest in yeah. the background, the coronation theme. It was really one of the craziest things that I've ever seen, and it it made me <laughs> so uncomfortable um, because it was my voice. This video that I had done like at least two years, three years prior. YouTube style? Um, yeah, I was bit. doing this yeah. thing. Um, like vlog for, style. Yeah, for queer comics, the mm-hmm. Toronto um, thing, and just doing these like weekly talks. And You get a topic and you get 10 Yeah, minutes. exactly. And I'm not like, so I look at YouTubers, <laughs> you know, people who just like spend their whole lives just sitting in front of a camera alone, just talking to that. And it just, I don't really, I don't really like it. Um, but I, I did but you try felt, it. But you felt uncomfortable because Because he... I was hearing my voice. Right. And I was hearing myself talk in a way that I don't usually get to hear myself mm-hmm. talk. And usually I don't mind the sound of my own voice, but... But you found wrong. yourself, you found also yourself being the subject of a reinterpretation yes, by someone else. exactly. Especially coming from Jordan, yes. who is able to think outside of the box. Exactly. Because I mean, believe me, I think I can... I consider myself being creative and thinking outside of the box. I have nothing but, on this but one. Imagine, yeah. imagine exactly. how Angra feels looking at you with oh, that honey, like, feather he, duster. He has a hard on, trust me. <laughs> but what I mean is that it, it's super interesting what you're saying because he takes your own words and twists them in his own ways. Yeah, but it also, like, the twist was really in the physicality and the visual presentation because the audio was unedited. Yeah. It was, like, straight up the entire thing that I had done. And I don't know, it made me... I don't, it, it it was jarring, did but it, I loved it. Did you feel like he stole your intimacy? No, not at all. I just felt kind of stupid, monologue, honestly. Not at all. The monologue I is felt so like, inspiring. I felt, um, I don't know. I was just like, oh, I'm not in, as intelligent as no, I thought I was. No, it was so intelligent. Me honey, you were taken by Jordan Arsenault no, that automatically honey, upgrades is, everything. This is, seriously, this is about one of the statements was no, when you are... And I know you weren't offended by it. Not at all. I loved it. And it was honestly to this day, like one of the most honored, like I've ever felt in my life. I love being portrayed as Queen Elizabeth the first. Yeah, as (laughs) like Jordan as Queen Elizabeth. Because it was, uh, you know, one of your lines is um, people seem so unhappy being alone. And then you're like, I don't believe in the word alone. If you are alive and breathing, you are not alone. And you, it, it, to me, that is, encapsulates what that monologue was about. And I now call it the monologue because right. uh, it's, <laughs> that's what it's about. Yeah. But what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Well, we get so caught up, right? In, so caught up. And Mark Andrew now, Hamilton gets so caught up. Yeah, especially like now looking at queer culture in the way that social media has really shifted it, you know, especially talking about like masculinity and the way that it's Mm. portrayed. And Mm -hmm. now the way that 
because everyone wants attention, people want to feel validated, and it seems like at least within the gay community that the only way to to receive some of that validation and love is to perform this very hetero version of masculinity. Mm-hmm. You know, well, there's there. I think there's both. I feel there there's that certainly, but there's also what I admire in both of you is the way you sort of like juggle the masculine and the feminine in a way that like I I've never. I mean, as a kid maybe, but I've I've repressed that feminine side so it much. It's, I know it shows. <laughs> I know. I'm a, I'm a basic. I'm a basic gay. Um, and I think that's something that's very powerful about. I love you so much. <laughs> I think that's something that's very powerful about the perform and the performance work that you do, and what you do with Peaches Lapage yeah. as your because, alter ego. Because cis identifying gay males seem to be scared of femininity now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. but but there is something. But but I'm sorry. No, but, sorry but what I believe is that there is something. Well, in my case personally, the thing is that. Funnily enough, the more I've been doing my work, the more comfortable I've been doing with my own mm. masculinity and femininity because mm-hmm. obviously I play with mm-hmm. with this image. Yeah. And one of the things that is kind of hilarious, and I think Jordan have the same problem sometimes, is that when people see it, they're like, oh, you're not in high heels. Oh, you're not in drag. Oh, you're not... Yeah, no, I just wear caps and, oh, and, and glasses. <laughs> and it's just this idea of imagining that the characters that you have, or like the, the way you... you um, how can I say express your art through different yeah. uh, characters or representation of self or things like this is your own identity this is so interesting because uh, I really this is amazing um, because oh, it's something you. that I feel so much what you're describing you know because because someone at one point saw you in heels yeah. They want to try to process that image and make sense of it. So they have to put some kind of label on it, whether it's drag, whether it's something. Then when they see you out of that, because they've already made this assumption, they've already mm-hmm. sort of taken on this um, assumption about you. And when you don't deliver that, there's this confusion. Why are people so easily confused? Like, why does everyone expect everyone to be just one because thing? Because it's easy. Because it's easy. Like, for example, later to, to, today, later today, I'm going to go to a launch party and, and I'm going to have some high heels. Some super high heels, and I'm gonna be fierce as hell, and I'm gonna be doing the runway, and I still have this face. Huh? Are you in Urbania again? No, no, <laughs> no. But we all meet at the party on May thirty first. Okay. It's free and open to the public. Yes, Oops. <laughs> so anyway, but what I mean is that there's this idea also, and people are especially um, um, surprised by this thing when they show up in the party dressed like casually right. with a pair of high heels right. that changes my the way I move that changes the way I pose and that actually makes me a bit more graceful than I am usually right. and it's just fascinating to see how people but does it right. get annoying cannot link the head well, you, with the feet you like that what it's not that I like it's it, it, it that I, I I think I look super fierce. When I, I, yeah. I think I think guys yeah. should wear more high heels just you. for the fact <laughs> that we have a better position mm-hmm. and we look Posture. better. Yeah, right. <laughs> By definition, it's kind of so athletic. I think high heels should go for everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just for the, the thing. But then again, I think my easiness and the way I just handle it is very surprising because yeah. pe- because unless I'm mistaken, high heels are today maybe the only real detail that will can literally kill a person's masculinity. Hmm. Mm. More than a skirt? I mean, or a more than a skirt. A skirt doesn't yeah, mean anything yeah, no, now. Sure. But yeah. a pair of high heels, yeah, you're not a man anymore. That's a really interesting. That I would agree with that. Uh, of course, you know, you found you found a man who doesn't mind that you wear high, high heels. 
What right. do you mean a fun man that doesn't mind? Yeah, there's like, also... Oh, yeah. wait, you, yeah. know, you hide them from him. He doesn't no, know. No, he's a suitor. He's not my oh, man yet. <laughs> but he's working on it. And he's doing a great okay, job, okay. mind you. But, but what, yeah. Yeah, but what are you get, you're what getting I'm, at What I'm getting at is dating. that nobody, nobody, <laughs> going back absolutely to nobody, but a few middle-aged lesbians <laughs> want to have sex with Peaches Lepage. Like my drag character. <laughs> no, okay, that's, that's the thing. That's different. That's not that's totally true. different. That is, I have sources. I guarantee you You have middle-aged lesbian sources. Who am I love? I'm sorry, lesbian. Okay. Born in the seventies, you are my people. Jordan Arsenault, I have sources <laughs> <laughs> who tell me that sources. they would definitely, definitely, definitely bang have sex. Peaches. Bang, bang, peaches right now, that right now on the stage. Peaches in full, be. like yeah. white powdered. Yeah. Yeah. Your eyes, I make. Thankfully, yeah. but journalistic <laughs> ethics requires that Tom <laughs> not reveal these sources. Yeah. No, but the question is. But I think the question is: Would you be interested in? A basic In- intimate intimate intercourses as Peter's Lepage because this is a good question. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been asked several times yeah. to get laid with high heels and a hijab. Yeah. And I was like, hell no, because this is not me. This no. is a character, right? You and know it's what I mean? Art. Okay. Well, wh- why yeah. wouldn't be hard for him? Yeah, then? no, because it's yeah, like, the same. You know, I will at this point. I'll do. I mean, anything I, I, just to get laid. I'll do anything for one hundred and forty dollars. I really will. I, that's what I'm getting. To. Are we are we are we ready for your manifesto? Oh, not yes. yet. But not we have y- to talk about your next thing. What's your next thing? We have to promote something. Oh, true. Okay, hi. Yeah, yeah. do it. Do no, it. Yeah, no, Go but technically it, yeah. speaking, it's true. Because if we're talking about being single and dating, well, yeah. the next project is pretty off the hook. Because my fine. next series is about dating apps. Mm. It's about the representation of self in dating apps. Mm. So today I have 15 characters, and by this new series, I'm going to have 100. Wow. This is so and exciting. It's, and it's 20 straight men, 20 straight women, 20 gay men, 20 gay women, and 20 non binary pansexual people. Amazing. Um, you're, I, for something I forgot to say, uh, your work obviously reminds us of, of, of Cindy Sherman, mm-hmm. but, re- she? but really, <laughs> but really of, of the Beyonce pregnancy posts. When she posts like these, like beautiful, uh-huh. full on, like when she's pregnant, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. like when I see your work, I think of Beyonce. Oh not, wow! Not well, well, listen, Th- those I'll pictures. take but those, that. Those, yeah, no, those pictures. Thing. I mean, those... there's, an, there's an aesthetic yeah. connection. Yeah, okay. sort of spiritual. Well, I think like looking at if you look at your Instagram page, do a quick scroll, then do a quick Beyonce scroll. There's like, <laughs> yeah, there's a vibe. Well, I was called the first lady of Montreal by Miss Thing here, so now I can be the Beyonce of Montreal. Yes. I mean, you know, it must be hard to have to Photoshop that baby bump out every time. <laughs> time. Every single time. And Jordan, what do you have coming up? What What do I have coming up? Um, on April 29th, I'll be involved in a procession called Unscrew the Locks with Jamie Ross as part of Gallery Vertical's uh, intervention in Saint-Vincent-de-Paul, a village near Laval, which is where two pagan prisoners that um, Jamie administers to as a visiting witch. And so we will be, I know, I don't look like a fairy, but <laughs> sometimes I do. And so we'll be doing a procession from the church to the vicinity of the prison uh, in conjunction with May Day, which is Beltane, which is about liberation and transformation, and we're going to be making chants. And I'm going to be getting my hippie side on so, so hard. It's April, April 29th? April 29th at, in Saint-Vincent-de-Paul at 1 p.m. And then after that, I'm going to talk about a benefit that I'm planning in May from my friend Atif Siddiqui. And that's yes. what my piece is going to be about, too. You can check out Atif's GoFundMe. It's called... 
Poetic Justice yep. for yes. Atif Siddiqui, S-I-D-D-I-Q-I. Iconic Montreal performer. Iconic yeah. Montreal performer, Chani Chonic. And so that's what my piece is dedicated to. Cool. Are we ready for this? Okay, let's okay. do this. Yeah, you, you have headphones to put on. Do you we want are, us to have like a position or something to make it more dramatic? We, Should we look away? We commissioned, we, we basically commissioned some, yeah. anything, something. Um, the voice, the, yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> Jordan has never put on headphones before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's music. Let's start there's the music. music. Let's start and the music. Uh, we're here for you. I get frightened in all this darkness. I get nightmares. I hate to sleep alone. I need some company. A guardian angel to keep me warm when the cold winds blow. I can feel you breathe. I can feel your heart beat faster. This is a prayer I say to myself every time I, as a single homosexual, consider the trap door of online dating. I keep my smartphone in a locked cabinet at all times so that I can be reminded to go and get the keys also in a locked cabinet before I open this trap door and turn on the pain. I can feel you breathing I can feel your heart beat faster This piece goes out to anyone who has ever taken you home tonight. Because it's a dark and scary place out there. Imagine this being a table. Around this table, a beautiful dinner party north of the tracks. And I've decided that as a parlor game, we're going to describe our worst internet dates. Someone tells a heart-rending story. Similar to the Sex and the City episode in which Miranda discovers that sometimes people don't text you back because they died. That happened. Bye, Jose. Or my friend Cesar, who was having an experience with someone under the influence of certain substances, realized that it was just too big, that he just couldn't go there. Few of us around this table relate to this problem. And he says to this overly well-endowed man, That is too big. I cannot go on. Get out of my house. The well-endowed man says, You're in my apartment. I'm afraid you will have to leave. Thinking about the blood's Splattered walls, lonely walks home, all of the different kinds of bleeping sounds and brook and that you have to listen to that we're trained like Pavlovian bitches to get excited about. I'd invite you to listen to the work of Tranny Tronic, Atif Siddiqui, who, and this is a serious moment, went online as many of us do 
Often to the horror of middle-aged lesbians, I can't believe you go online and invite a complete stranger into your house to have intercourse with you. You don't even know if you like the same TV shows or cat hair lengths. We do this. Atif, recently, uh, you can see this both on their GoFundMe and on the CBC article, invited someone over who then hurt them and robbed them. And when they went to report this to the police, the police misgendered them and laughed at them. So when you go and look up on the GoFundMe for Poetic Justice for Atif Siddiqui, or when you come to the benefit party that I hope that we will host in late May, maybe May 25th, maybe consider saying this prayer. I get frightened in all this darkness. I get nightmares. I hate to sleep alone. I need some company, a guardian angel, to keep me warm when the cold winds blow. I can feel you breathing. I can feel your heart beat faster. Take me home tonight. I don't want to go back home till the morning light. Take me home tonight. Jordan, thank, thank you so much. Thank you, Tufik. It's been so that great was to so have dramatic. you here. I love it. I know, of course. And I'm so glad that at <laughs> least two people will have heard Jordan Arsenal for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't be more thrilled. Thank you both so much for being here. We love thank you. you. Thank you, we love you so you. much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. See you later. Wow, what a performance by Jordan. Uh, <laughs> so good. Incredible. Um, over the season, we've talked to really unique and special people over the phone. Uh, I know. Part of the fun was to connect with people who are not here in Montreal, where we live. Um, we've talked to someone who won a Pulitzer Prize this week. Jerry Saltz. That's incredible. Which remains one of my favorite <laughs> phone conversations yeah. in the season. What episode was it? I've, I think it was just before Christmas, I want to say. Okay. I'm well, sure. either way... Anyone listening right now, you have to go track down our call with Jerry Saltz because it was one of the most inspiring things and it still really guides a lot of my thoughts. There's one line that he said. Yes, that vampires need to be with each other. And I really feel like that sums up everything yeah. that we've we've been talking about and tried to show on the podcast. It's a philosophy. You've you've talked to some of your, some of your idols. Yeah, Sandra, <laughs> um, Jennifer Elise Cox, Nadia Ginsburg, um, I won't. I mean, there were people that I reached yeah. out to that could not. Yeah. I tried so hard to get Jan Arden, <laughs> and I think her PR person was starting to get annoyed. Um, I tried to get Alanis Morissette, That's so but funny. I could not find any contact info. So, if anyone listening has any connection <laughs> to Alanis, please get in touch uh, with me. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm into like 
art you know like <laughs> not, really? that you're, not that you're, you're not art not that you're not but like i i love i just love to talk to photographers and choreographers and there's just something about their process and it's fascinates me i don't know why and today i you know i was, I was i've been thinking of the this idea of, of queer diaspora recently you're so obsessed with that word i know <laughs> i mean it makes me sound smart first of all it's, it is, <laughs> which is why which is why it's honestly one of my most hated words because i've only ever heard it used in like a super pretentious academic context no. and i love that this is your word today like you are so obsessed with this word and this concept I'm it is hilarious i'm so happy you're pointing it out and uh and uh there's a photographer I've, I've been following for a couple of years on Instagram and Facebook. Um, his name is Dusty Saint-Amand, and uh, I believe he's from Florida. He lives in New York. And is I mean, is he takes um, pictures, uh, portraits of really hot young men. Um, not <laughs> Who only, doesn't? Not only white, but there is a soulful, there's a soothing quality mm. to the pictures he takes um, that reflect, I find, this this sort of hurt masculinity at the mm. beginning of the 21st century. Right. That's what I f- sort of feel from his pictures. And I've always liked his post and liked his, his what he what he says on social media. And I wanted to talk to him for this finale because I knew I would have a good conversation. Yes. And I did. Amazing. And we'll listen right now. Good afternoon, Dusty St. Amand. Hi, Hi. How's it going? I'm good. Good to get to talk to you. I'm such a fan. I've been following your uh, your social media presence for a few years now. All your pictures. Oh, <laughs> thanks. You're 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 busy working. How would you describe your feed? Let's say you're to, to to a blind person. How would you describe the work that you do? The photography work that you do. Um, to a blind person, <laughs> or to someone. Um, I I mean that's a larger conversation, maybe. But um, if I were to describe it. Um, you know, I always use like kind of like corny rhyming taglines, but the one that I stick with is reflections of connections. Yeah. So I always, um, when I'm photographing people, I'm, I'm really just chatting with them and photographing them as we talk, you know? Oh, right. Okay. Um, and so quite often a lot of the images that I'm getting are incidentally sexy, mm-hmm. but more often are kind of soft and sort of unique in that they're mid conversation and they tend to be, uh, kind of candid in a way. Um, and gentle yeah, maybe that's, is a good way to put it. That's what I love about your pictures is they, they're obviously hot, but they go beyond the generic Instagram, you know, like gay, basic gay looks that we usually yeah. see on Instagram. Yeah. I, I often feel that like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a number of reasons why I want to shoot certain people. And it's normally because mm-hmm. there's some intrigue that either comes from aesthetic or from just a certain energy that I perceive off that person, or if that person's at some crest of achievement, you know, so I know that there's something buzzing within them at that time. And, um, and, you know, different, different things make people sexy. It's not always just purely <laughs> aesthetic. Yeah. And, um, what, what, what are I those, com- what are those things? Well, I, sometimes I just think when you get in a room with somebody and you just have honest conversations, like a lot of all those, uh, imperceivable, indescribable things about them just tend to resonate. And that's why I call it incidentally sexy. Cause like when people are comfortable, I think a lot of 
interestingly attractive things tend to surface. I I remember um, you posted about people reaching out to you to get like free photo shoots. Do you think like Instagram created this double edged sword where it's you know easier to be seen as a photographer to get your work seen, but also you get all all uh, like everybody who doesn't really value the work of photography? You know, it's a especially in this you know let's say in 2018, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a confusing journey on. Uh, like platforms, what they mean to different people, photography, what it means to different people. And uh, so like we use Instagram to upload grainy selfies, but we also use it to upload art, but we also use it Mm. to upload advertisements. And so you have all these different things that are coexisting side by side on the same platform. So it's kind of natural that not everyone's going to view what you do as like a monetized valuable thing. It's just, you know, you're, you're just yet another contributor to the massive lake of visual content that exists on there, you know? And so I don't fault people for, uh, not seeing it as a commercial endeavor. Um, and even me myself, I've had a, uh, an evolution as far as what does, what role does photography play in my life? And, you know, there are times when it's been a hobby, there are times when it's been professional. And so I think if people read it in a confusing way, it's probably because even myself, I'm confused about it. (laughs) Sometimes I post professional stuff. Sometimes I post just stuff of, of hanging out with friends, you know, how did you get into photography? Um, well, I think I've always had this sort of, uh, this drive to have some sort of art expression. And so I always say like the photos don't matter. It's just, you know, it's this medium today, tomorrow it'll be another. Um, but somebody wanted to photograph me a number of years ago and which, which at the time I was like, Oh my God, absolutely not. Um, I didn't, it was when Instagram was still fairly new and I didn't really understand the use of, it, it was still new, the idea of muse as a form of expression, like expressing yourself by who you work with. Um, and so I, I was photographed, and in being photographed, you know, this sort of entrepreneurial spirit kicked in. And I was like, you know, I'm not really seeing a return on investment here. I'm looking at what a professional <laughs> model is, and I don't think I'm a professional model. You know, that that's a very, you know, that's for young people, or that's for people who are committed to it, or yada yada and um but i really the connections that i was making with people in these sort of intimate photo shoot settings i was like i don't want to give this up this is i've never had these sort of curated social connections like this before in my life um and so uh, over time i kind of built my taste on what kind of photography i liked by who i was shooting with and then i was like you know what, if I don't want to give this up, but I don't want to be in front of the camera, I'm going to start being a maker so that I can have a hand in how this happens in my life and not just wait for someone to select me. Um, and so it came less from a drive for photography and more for having these opportunities to create something with other people, you know, both to have a social, social experience, but also to have an experience to make work. Do you, you're, you, you've talked about being sober and I'm, I'm sober as well. And, and do you think that we, as sober people, there's a drive that we need to transfer to something else and we, 
stop using and drinking I mean, and destroying yourself? I I can you know I can speak to my own experience and that when I quit drinking, which was a little over three years ago, you realize how much time like when you when you have an issue with substance abuse, you realize how much time not only goes into consuming said substance, but the pro- procuring it, the doing it, mm. and then the the come down, and then the cycle starts again. That's a lot of time that yeah. you devote both in actual action and in mental like premeditation. Um, you have a lot of time left over when you quit something like <laughs> that, like alcohol or whatnot. And not only time, but there's this sort of like addict energy where you're like, if I don't put this into something, like I'm afraid <laughs> I'm going to put it back into where it was. Yeah. Um, and so me, I, I, I think that I was able to kind of thrive in photography and in photo editing quicker than I think most, like most people would naturally do because I was, I was just displacing this addiction. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I was like, you know what, being addicted to photography is a lot less harmful in my life, both physically and socially. So, uh, you know, there's no harm in it. And, and, and also you're also known for one of the assignments you got, I think it was two years ago for Grindr, um, traveling, mm-hmm. traveling yeah. around the U S and, and meeting users. I think I, I perceived it at the time as a push from Grindr to show diversity from their user base. because we all have this idea of who's the user, the Grindr user. Um, right. How was that experience traveling around, uh, meeting people who, so, who want intimacy? Yeah. So, um, someone who had followed me for a time who had worked with major brands, um, went on to work with Grindr and reached out to me and was like, I love your work. Um, and it, I think the quotes was in all caps. We want your vision. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh damn, somebody <laughs> wants it. Um, and so my, it was right when Grindr was starting to, to evolve themselves into more of a media platform and trying to say, yes, we are a hookup app, but we are also a hub for, you know, the gay community. Um, and as they evolve more encompassing to a more queer, uh, community focus, you know, and they're, and I think they're still working on that a bit. Um, but when they brought me on, I was like one of the first two or three photographers that they brought on. Um, and I perceived it in a way that they wanted to uh, associate themselves with a more artistic uh, identity. And they also wanted, my, my perception is that they wanted to add a little more heart to the brand. They wanted to right. focus on the connections that people make Um because of an app like this. And, and just in general, they wanted to show gay men having connections, Mm -hmm. you know, and not purely just, um, you know, transactional physical ones, you know, the, the addictive nature of hooking up also. Right. They wanted to just, I, I think what they empowered me to do was to show a scope on modern, gay men specifically ones that perhaps I saw myself reflected in. Mm. So I did New York, Connecticut, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and London. And I went and I, each time I cast five guys, sometimes they were solo, uh, duo or trio. Um, and basically just like hung out in 
areas that were kind of terroir driven, kind of geographical to where we were. And, um, just, just, uh, I figured if I just have an honest hangout, it's going to show an honest perception of, uh, guys now. It shows. Yeah. One, one last question yeah. to wrap things up. Um, uh, yeah. you know, you have so many pictures on, on your account and, and other, other platforms, but it, there's a sense of queer diaspora. There's a sense that being queer is a little bit like being Jewish or African in the sense that wherever we are in the world, we belong to this community. We belong to this, uh, to this group. And, you know, there are personalities who are known. You've photog- or you, you've been, you've, you've, uh, snapped, um, Casey Spooner from Fisher Spooner and, and Instagram mm-hmm. personality, Sam Morris and other people. And do you feel that you are part of that diaspora and do you feel it adds to your life? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, um, recognizable through line for a lot of, uh, queer people in that, I think most of us were those outsider, uh, gay children, queer children, um, or intersex children. Like people, we, we were different at a young age. Um, and that is, um, that's like a shared broken heart. I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of queer people have. And so, and a lot of that is, um, focused on either being in a small town or a small minded town or in, you know, being young and having a sense of needing to escape. And so I think there's a similar life story that just happened all on its own millions of times over, um, without any of us ever being side by side. And, you know, I think that, um, that's kind of an undercurrent that connects us all. Hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. taking the call. You're you're in New York today, right? Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I live in Brooklyn. Awesome. Have fun in Brooklyn today. Thanks for taking the call. And um, everybody listening, check out um, Dusty St. Amon's uh, Instagram, Dusters Der. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Obsession. Obsession. What are you obsessed with? What am I obsessed with? That's the last obsession segment. Right? I know. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> to make it something lasting. I mean, okay, before before we get into this, you're wearing a Mariah t-shirt yes. right now, and Mariah's in the news. Yes. Because she's been open about her mental health. Yeah, which is um, amazing, and obviously, um, you know, the more mainstream people that come forward with their stories, the less stigma, hopefully. Um, but do you Mariah, think she's being sincere about yes, that? Yes, I do, because okay. Mariah um, is such a guarded person. Mm-hmm. You know, you can watch every interview she's ever done from day one till now, and there's very little that Mariah ever reveals because she's always trying to control the way people see her. And so this is quite major, I think, for her as a person and as a performer to be this revealing. She's never been this revealing. And and that has kind of something to do with your actual obsession, which is you're so drawn to people who are considered superficial. Right. In a way. In a way. So but your I, obsession right now. Yeah. So my obsession right now is a current obsession, but also my lifelong obsession, Kylie Minogue, um, who has a new album out now called Golden, which is amazing and i'm loving it produced in nashville right 
Yeah, well, she did some recording there, and that's where the album kind of came together. And so there is a country feel, a vibe she's never really gone for before, and it, it just works, it really, works well. really well. And this is the first time in a really long time that she's written every song on the album. And I think that the real diehard fans like me, this is something that we've wanted for a long time. Um, because, you know, Kylie can be very glossy and, and glittery and sparkly, but to me, there's always been this undeniable authenticity in Kylie that shines through the, the glamour in a way that it doesn't always shine through for other performers. There is a real depth there and a real unpretentiousness and a joy. And I I really do believe that there are just certain people, and Kylie is one of them, that emanate this very loving energy that, at least for me, makes me feel very protected and very comforted. And Kylie has always been where I go when I just need to feel comforted. Like, I remember in high school... Like, just on those, like, really, like, rough days or whatever, I would watch Kylie's Live in Sydney DVD. Mm-hmm. And it just always made me feel so good. And so when people are sort of, like, surprised that I love Kylie so much because they think that she's just this superficial, glossy pop star. No, she's It's not. really not yeah. what that is. And she's, I just, I don't know, I just love her so much. I remember listening to Fever so, Oh my God, so well, Fever much. was my main I mean, intro to yeah, her, obviously. Course, yeah. I used to listen to it on my yeah. Sony Discman yeah. with my headphones on. <laughs> and, like, every song reminded me of this guy I had a major crush on yeah. at the time. She came to Montreal. Was it 2011? Yeah, I was there. This, a second like a row. few, a few, a few days ago. It was the yeah, the anniversary yeah, of yeah. Kylie's Aphrodite <laughs> tour, which was amazing. Yeah, yeah. What are you obsessed with? Um, I mean, Jordan Arsenault is certainly one of my obsessions. I I love Jordan. He's is brilliant. He's smart. He's hot. He's just <laughs> everything. And I I just really want everybody to get on board and and sort of see his brilliance. And I was really well, happy he was I on the show. I'm talking about frustration, you know. Yeah. And I think that like going into this podcast, of course, like the only criteria we've ever had for people who are on the show is are they interesting and do we want to talk to them for 30 minutes? Yeah. But also very organically and authentically, the people that we end up wanting to talk to and the people who are the most fascinating are the voices that are not as mm. represented in the mainstream. And like that's what I'm screaming for because yeah. there's all this insanely brilliant talent. But I guess maybe it's just the mainstream can't handle that kind of brilliance. They will. All the time. We will make them. That's my mission. <laughs> um, I I do feel also that with this podcast, we've we've found an, another chosen family to me. It's like, it really means a lot because I really didn't think at the beginning of this experience that the five people and the people working here and the technicians working on the show would become like such important people yeah. and they would be here every second week and they would serve and 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 yeah. even if sometimes we sound like we hate straight men like we there's don't there's some good ones out there there's some good ones and, and some, they're here and they're here <laughs> and we love them and I, I want to just give them a shout out like Jonathan Phil Suli Charlie and Julie and Billy the the, the production manager um Lorian Stephanie Aritia and George for the the visuals Julie Tremblay the producer oh she believed God. in a project yeah, from day from one the beginning love you with all my heart Miriam and of course Phoebe uh, who created this incredible incredible space yeah I I just I don't know it's been really nice to have this home and like you know as someone who doesn't have a day job and someone who doesn't have like a structure in their life this is like the home base you know and it's like I know that no matter what happens like I'll be here every other Tuesday Jimmy Jimmy and Jimmy for the visuals the the pictures and and the graphic design the guests the incredible Okay. okay this is I mean Jen Kirkman, John Cameron Mitchell, Christiane Charette, Dana McLeod, Dana Michelle, Natalie Ndongo, 
Judith Lucier, Eileen Miles, Arshad Khan, uh, Chloe Robichaud et Alexa Jean Dubé, Fab and Franny from Random Recipe. That was a riot. Yeah. 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 Brendan Kelly, yeah. Patsy, Patsy. Yeah. Patsy. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Tufik and Jordan, who were with us today. That was incredible. All the phone guests, all the comedy performers, yeah. all the musicians who let us have their music on the show. Thank you so, so much. And before we get to our friends, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who's listened. Yeah. Like, your this is this is our family you're part of this and it really is mind-blowing and i mean well, honestly i'm just so thankful um and grateful for your support and just your time yeah and we'll we'll be back we'll just yeah. we'll just figure out how yeah of course <laughs> we'll be back and uh, thank you trana for being this oh like my God, incredible crying. this incredible partner in this adventure all the friends that we've had on the podcast for the christmas episode and the in real life episodes yeah. like justin uh, nancy travis rachel james watts guillaume ellie awful rosebush and finally Um, my really close friends Ghost Love who've created cute synth pop for, yeah. for the podcast but they also have their own their own practice their own work they're really incredible we saw them last week playing a show at Arsenal they Gallery so and amazing. it was incredible very soulful I love them they are my chosen family and this is their new song Dream Trail bye everybody <laughs>
Chosen Family was recorded live at Defy Center. And we're so lucky to be working with them. They're the best. We're live on Facebook every second Tuesday at 11 Eastern. Follow Defy Center on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow us too. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Don't we deserve it? Thanks to Ghost Love for all the music. Thank you for listening, sharing, and laughing. We'll see you soon. You're family now. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.